welcome to all of you who are here physically and anybody online. We appreciate you tuning in, being with us in this study of John. We're in the ninth and 10th chapters this morning. And for those of you coming in from John's class on James to Marty's class on John, uh, we are not reading the text this time. We're just going through the worksheet and then we're coming back to discuss anything that needs discussed. That's how we're working it this time in hopes of actually getting through the gospel by the end of the quarter. So that's what that's all about. All right, chapter 9, 1 to 23 is the first section. Having just left the blank, that would be from 859, as well as an attempt by the Jews to blank him, Jesus and his disciples passed a blind man. So what would you put in those two blanks? How about the first one? Just left the temple. Come out of the temple. And he left the temple because there was an attempt to, to stone him. And that goes back to another controversy that we'll see again. They asked about the blind man. Who blanked? Who sinned? Regarding the reason for his blindness. Jesus said the reason for his blindness was so that the works of God might be blanked in him. What was it? Okay, displayed, glorified, manifested. Different translations have different words, but it's all about there's, there's a need, there's a use. And that's what's happening. And God's work will be made clear. All right, here's a question. Uh, who is shown in the text to celebrate the man's new given sight? There's a whole chapter about this guy and him regaining his sight after being born blind. And he's old enough to be of age. And technically in Judaism, 13 is when you are of age to speak for yourself. But I believe this fellow is quite a bit older than that. So who's celebrating? Do you find anybody celebrating? Maybe him. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? If you knew somebody who'd been born blind and was blind all their life and suddenly they've gotten their sight back, wouldn't you do something, say something that would be celebratory in nature? Express some joy, some happiness, some gratitude that this guy has this blessing and in him getting a blessing, it's a blessing to you. But there's none of that. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but there's nothing expressed that anybody said, wow, that's fantastic. I'm so thankful, so glad. Glory to God that you have your sight back. It's all about something else. In verse 11, the man explains to the blank how he was given sight. Now, remember, this is verse 11. So who's in context in verse 11? One translation uses the word neighbors, but it's, it's simply the people, folks. Just a group of folks, a group of people called his neighbors. How he was given sight, that he explains to the neighbors, to the people, how he was given sight. In verse 15, he explains it to the blank, Pharisees. Because the people said, wow, you got your sight back? Let's take you to the Pharisees. And that's what they did. So in verse 15, he explains it the same way to the Pharisees. 
the Pharisees condemned the sign because it was done on the Sabbath. I don't know if I told you, but one of the things we noticed in Israel was that there there are Sabbath elevators. Uh, All the nice hotels have elevators, of course. But there are Sabbath elevators. And when you get on a Sabbath elevator, it stops on every floor. Do you know why that is? You don't have to work to push the buttons. See, we we chuckled at that because it's just like... So when, when the Lord of the universe comes down and... And he gives a man back his sight. And people complain rather than rejoice because it happened on the Sabbath. There's something not making a connection. There's a lot of that going on. Their accusation created blank among them since some asked how a sinner could perform such blanks. Division would be the first blank. It created a division, thankfully, because there were some who asked how he could perform, how a sinner could perform such signs. Signs. Remember, this is the gospel of signs. Remember how John ends? John writes in the next to the last chapter, chapter 20, Jesus did a lot of other signs that are not written in this book, but these are written, why? So that you might read them and believe. That's why John wrote these things down. So that we might read them and believe. All right. I'm sorry? So how they define that. He started initially in the class. They want to know about the sin. A man's sin in the sight. And then they talk about sin again. tendency and I think it's understandable why we're in a fallen world and we know we are a mess and we know our own problems and we know our weaknesses but we have this tendency to dwell towards the negative aspects and so when a lot of people think of God they think of him in heaven with a big stick looking down and he's just waiting for anybody to make a mistake and so we develop these viewpoints and they're erroneous Erroneous is another word for inaccurate. And we, we start to think in terms of the viewpoints we have. And I think that's what's happening here. The, the assumption they have is this guy's blind because somebody sinned. That's a negative viewpoint. But we do the same thing. Well, I don't know about you, but I do. I see something's happened and I, well, my goodness, what kind of people are they that such a thing should happen to them? And Jesus is here and in other places. 
I think the whole book of Job is about this, that you don't have to be bad for something bad to happen to you. And if something is bad, it may only be bad because we see it as bad. What does, what does Paul write about bad things in Romans 8.28? All things work together for good. Now, he doesn't say bad things. He says all things. But why would he be writing about good things working together for good? Duh, that just seems to be the obvious outcome. So he must be including the things we would normally consider bad. And so was it bad for this man to be born blind? Think of the suffering of his parents. Think of the suffering of, of himself, other people who cared about him and cared about the family, the heartbreak. If you had friends who had a child born blind, you would be heartbroken over that. You all, oh, that would just be a downer. But I've thought about this idea before. If we could bring this man back just for a couple of minutes and ask him, what, what about that? Are you upset that you were born blind? Now that he because of this, has met Jesus, what do you think he would say? Probably, I think. Speculation, of course, but it's the same thing with Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. What was Elizabeth's circumstance before she gave birth to John the Baptist? She was barren, and she was in her old age, and she looked upon that as a reproach. That's what she called it when Luke wrote about it. But if we could ask Elizabeth now, hey, how about that? Was it worth all those years of heartbreak and despair and not having a child that you could have the, the one child who would be the prophet to prepare the way for the Messiah? I really doubt she would say, man, I'm really upset with God. That wasn't fair. I don't think that would be her response. Speculation on my part, but you're welcome to speculate yourself. Yes. Problems that we have today and the things that we think are evil that happen to us. They make us grow. And that's what makes us be able to see when the good comes and th thank God for the good. Right. Otherwise, we would not know. If you're. We started out marriage not having anything. I had a little job. I worked as a utility maintenance mechanic for Cummins Diesel down on MacArthur and Reno, and I just made money hand over fist. I had a machine in the back that would make money, but no, I'm just, it was a, it was a good job. I enjoyed the work. Uh, it was, I, I liked going to work, but the paycheck wasn't that big is what I'm saying. We lived in a little cracker box house over on uh, Ann Arbor. It was behind a real house in their backyard more or less and we lay in bed at night and listen to the mouse traps go off but it was great we loved it we were newlyweds everything was great in the world we just didn't have any money now we look back at those days and if not for those days i don't know that we could appreciate what we have now it's like wow this is great and i remember my sister my my oldest sister told about a time because i've always thought of them as people with money they, he was a vice president in a bank but he wasn't always a vice president in a bank and when they lived in, in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, he had to go to work on the other side of a river. And across that river, you went across a toll bridge, and the, and, the, and the toll was 10 cents. 
And one morning she says he had to come back home because he, he couldn't find the dime to pay the toll to get across the bridge to go to work. Those kinds of days make you appreciate the better days. And if you don't have those, it's like you don't have the ability to appreciate. In this circumstance, I think of this guy. He knew how much sight is to be appreciated. But there's more to this. We know what God can do. We know what he has done. We know what he is doing. Our inward man is being renewed day by day. Why dwell on negative stuff? I have a home. You have a home prepared already by God waiting for me in heaven. Why dwell on the negative stuff? The negative stuff is only here, but this place is temporary. It won't last. We're moving through it. The apostles were with Jesus, and they were moving through it. This blind man got his sight back, but he's still moving through it because getting his sight back wasn't the end of his troubles. It looks like he's being thrown out of the synagogue. That's the way it is in the world. God will bless you. The world will try to bring you down. Do not let it. I didn't know how to put that in a blank, but there it is. All right, here we are, back in the first section again. Uh, Their accusation created division among them since some asked how a sinner could perform such, and what did we put in that blank? Signs. This was a sign. It indicated something. They asked his parents about it because they did not blank him, believe him. But his parents refused to answer because they were afraid. They were afraid because anyone who confessed Jesus to be the blank, Christ. What does Christ mean? The anointed one? That's what Christ means? What's the the, the Hebrew equivalent? Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. Jesus came. He is the Messiah. He was is the one anointed of God. He's the son of God. And they are saying, no, he's not the one. If you say he's the one... We're going to throw you out of the synagogue. It's, it's just like it is today with all this wokeness. If, if we think you're a racist, you did something 53 years ago, makes you a racist. And the worst thing to do is apologize. It's, it's crazy the way people are thinking these days. But it's not new. This is the way they thought back then. Anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. All right, next section, 9, 24 to 41. They called the man again. The Pharisees did. And professed to know Jesus was a blank sinner. They've called him that twice now. When the Jews demanded another explanation... The man who had been blind essentially blanked them, asking if they also wanted to be his blank. In in the first blank, I would put mocked. He essentially mocked them. Oh, you want to be his blank too? What would you put in that second blank? Disciples. 
He knew they didn't want to be his disciples. He's, oh, and it's, it's interesting to me, too, the confidence this guy seems to have talking to the Pharisees. He's the one who was blind, and now he's got his sight back, and he knows how it happened. There's no question about that. He's not stammering around going, I'm not sure I go, well, I'm... He doesn't know who he is. Why does he not know who Jesus is? He couldn't see. <laughs> Some guy came up to me <laughs> and he made mud and put it on my eyes and I went and I washed and I've got my sight. Well, where was Jesus? Well, he wasn't around when he washed. So he doesn't know who, who healed him. And these guys are, they're wanting, well, what are they wanting? What are the Pharisees wanting? All right, they're wanting a reason to put Christ to death. What else are they wanting? They're waiting for an answer that makes them happy. They want a response that will satisfy them. But what they want satisfied is their presumption about things that are right. And we can never allow ourselves to fall into this trap. Like... Like Davy Crockett said, make sure you're right and then go ahead. But make sure you're right. If somebody questions something you believe, don't discount their questioning offhand. Make sure what you believe is the truth and then defend it. And don't get upset. Here's a thing to think about. If you get upset, what that probably means is that you are afraid because you don't know how to defend what you believe. If you know how to defend what you believe, there's no reason to get upset. You know it's the truth. That's just our human nature. If you have confidence in your defense, don't be afraid. You won't be afraid. It's like a byproduct. Uh, here we are, still in 9, 24 to 41. The man concluded, the blind man, the man who had been blind, the man concluded that if Jesus were not from blank, he could do blank. If he were not from God, he could do nothing. Who's that remind you of? Think about Nicodemus in chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And, and he says to Jesus, we know, we, we is a plural pronoun. We know that you have come from God. Why did he say that? Because no man could do the things you do unless God was with him. What Jesus was doing was working for Nicodemus. Everything Jesus did that was miraculous was a sign and Nicodemus saw the signs. And so back a little earlier in chapter 9, when there was a controversy, and they were saying, this guy's a sinner. And somebody said, whoa, 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 whoa. Among the Pharisees, how, how could a sinner perform such a miracle? How could he do such signs? And I have to wonder if Nicodemus wasn't one of those guys saying that. So we've got this man making the same observation. How could somebody who's a sinner... Do what this man has done for me. If God were not with him, he couldn't do anything. Jesus later found the man and asked, Do you believe in the blank of blank? 
son of man. Where's that come from? The phrase son of man? Where's it introduced? Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel saw a vision, one like the son of man, coming before the ancient of days. And what did he receive? A kingdom and power and glory and dominion. And Jesus is that son of man. Jesus said it was for blank that he came into the world. Judgment. It's for judgment. By the way, does judgment have to be negative? No. Judgment can be positive. And Jesus has come into the world for judgment. Judgment against the evil, but also judgment in favor of the faithful. And think about that whenever somebody accuses you of being a judge. What do they have to do in order to accuse you of being a judge? They have to make a judgment. And if they're accusing you of being a judge because you come down on the negative side of something, ask them if they come down on the positive side. You say, I'm, I'm a judge because I don't believe this. Do you believe it? Oh, yes, I do. Well, then what are they? They are a judge. They just come down on the positive side. They have made a judgment, and that's why they're upset with you, because you don't agree with their judgment. That's what's happening here. The Pharisees have made a judgment. Jesus is not the Messiah. Don't show me any miracles. Don't even show me that he raises from the dead, because that's going to happen in a couple chapters. He's going to raise... <laughs> He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead after he's been dead four days. And they're still going to go, we got to kill this guy. And we got to kill the guy he raised. It's, oh, man, okay. It's, it's almost, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be a comedy. He came into the world. Yes? That's what they did with Lazarus. They're going to have to kill him too because he was a testimony of who Christ was. Right. right. That it's just like Jesus says, the works that I do testify about me. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Actually, I'm getting ahead of John. Actually, John was way ahead of me. We're coming to it, though. So Jesus said it was for judgment that he came into the world so that those who do not blank may blank. See in both blanks. Those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. What's he talking about? Talking about truth and reality. Do you see it? Bigger question is, are you willing to see it? Because some people see it and they won't admit it. It's obvious and they still deny it. Yes. Blinders. You you don't see those much anymore, but in the old pictures and... uh, I think you could see them if you go out to, oh, what's that place out in the northwest part where they have the, the Clydesdale horses, the big, I think those horses wear them. They're, they're just rectangular things on the harness that's right up here, so all they can see is what's in front of them. I think I need those when I drive. Wouldn't that be weird to go down the street, look over and somebody, those things on there. Where are we here? 10, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. Jesus said that the one who enters by the blank is the shepherd, the door. But all others are blank and blank. Thieves and robbers. 
he said, the sheep blank his voice, hear his voice. They hear his voice. And he calls them by name and leads them out. Do you believe Jesus knows your name? And it's not like he has to pull out his lips. Well, I mean, I think I might have a Marty here somewhere. No, he's God. He knows my name. And that's not a negative thing. Because he not only knows my name, he knows all the negative things about me, but it doesn't matter. Just like us and our relationships with people we love and care about, we know the negative things about them. We don't care. We have accepted that. We're willing to live with that. I know they're that way, but... And then we start making excuses. Why do we make excuses for people? Often it's because we love them. We'll defend them, even when they're wrong. It's all about your relationship, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. I've got sheep. They hear my voice. I call them my name. And he could say... Some of them are kind of goofy. <laughs> and I have to stay on top of them all the time. <laughs> but that doesn't mean he loves them any less. All you goofy ones that he has to stay on top of all the time. The sheep follow him because they know his blank. What does that mean? What's that? Familiarity, personal relationship, these things are are part of it. How many times do you hear a religious teaching on TV or the news or the radio or anybody listen to radio anymore? And you go when you hear, I I don't think that's in the Bible. I don't believe that's right. Jesus says, I don't know when the last day is. Not even the angels in heaven know. Only the Father knows. And there's an entire system of study over this thing called eschatology. What's eschatology? That's the study of the last things. All the things that are going to happen before Jesus comes back. And Jesus, wait a minute, said he didn't know. Nobody knew. Not the angels. Only the Father. And yet there has been developed a whole way of thinking about last things. Hear his voice. Don't worry about all the people clamoring about, oh, this prophecy is being fulfilled, which means the Lord's about to come back. No, no, no. It's wrong. It's false. That's not his voice. Bobby? It's interesting that in the Middle East, the shepherds always are in the front of the flock and the sheep follow. Everywhere else, they herd from behind and push them. Jesus said, just follow me. Right. You hear his voice and follow him. He's using the imagery that the people would have been familiar with. And now we have somewhat of a familiarity with it because we, we know these things. We have this picture in mind. Uh, what did Mr. Chisholm do? He, he blazed a trail. And then what did he do on that trail? Did he lead cattle? Or did he drive cattle? They're called cattle drive because you've got to drive cattle. <clears throat> God does not call us his cows. He calls us his sheep. Sheep will follow a shepherd. 
if they have a relationship with that shepherd, if they hear his voice. Last line on that first page, Jesus said he was the blank. He was the door. And that those who enter, those who enter through him will be saved. That's, That's why Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. He came that his sheep may have blank and have it blank. Have life and have it abundantly. There is reason to be joyful. To have an abundant life and that's not talking about your possessions. I remember years ago, uh, it was it was coming towards Christmas time, and of course, what happens at Christmas? You get stuff. Oh man, what do I want for Christmas? Oh man, I'd like to have a, I got, I'd like to have this this twenty two rifle. Now wait a minute, I have two twenty two rifles, and I never shoot them. What's wrong with me? Go shoot the ones you got, and I did. You know what? I, it was joyful. It also helped me to realize I don't need a twenty two for Christmas. I've already got that. And if you don't know how much joy a twenty-two rifle can bring into your life, come talk to me. That's another subject altogether. Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his blank for the sheep, his life. He also said that he had blank sheep that were not of this fold. Other sheep. Who was he talking about? Gentiles. Talking about us. Talking about Okies. What's that? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, uh, if, if there were other sheep in outer space, he, he may have to die for them on that planet. I don't know how that works, bud. Say, I haven't read the name Oki in the Bible anywhere, <laughs> except where it's written in the front, and it says, Bud, Oki. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I think that uh, we often overlook the evidence and uh, that's a problem with uh, anything that we fi- that we find that we uh, we're trying to make up our mind on what's going to happen. Uh, personal personal experience. Very recently, someone says, "Man, says I-, I drove by your house and you were out in your driveway and you were changing a flat on your car on your truck." I said, "Yeah." I said, it was a bad day, but it was a good day. They said, how, how do you figure that? And I said, well, I had the flat in the driveway where all my tools were. <laughs> and so uh, I said, I, I, I can't say too much. I said, you know, I said, things, things happen for the good. Right. And in, in a case, case like that, you, you can, can see the good. Now, in some situations, however, you can't see the good. You just have to wait for the good because it'll eventually become apparent. It, to me, it's like Abraham, and God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, the one son, the one that I promised you, you had to wait 25 years. To, I want you to take that son, now that he's old enough, and take him up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And Abraham doesn't argue. He doesn't fret. 
when the Hebrew writer wrote about it, he said that Abraham did it believing that God was even able to raise him from the dead. Abraham was looking way beyond the, the possibilities he, he knew of because there were things he understood about God. And he didn't have to worry and, and fret and doubt about what God had asked him to do. He, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm still trying to learn that about everyday life when something bad happens to me that I don't want to have happen because it interrupts my plans. I've got plans, and that's changes. I've got a flat tire, and, and you can see the good sometimes. Okay, I had it in my, in my driveway. Sometimes you can't. You don't know, where is this leading? What's God doing in this? And I've talked to a lot of people who, who have talked about this very same thing. Something happens to them. They say, why? Where? And sometimes it's over a long stretch of time. And you may not see it for a while. I don't know that there's anything in Job that tells us how long that whole ordeal lasts. But it lasted quite a while. His children died. He lost his stuff. He lost his health. He sat in the ashes scraping the sores. Eventually everything was restored. And the whole process of, of the book is his friends coming and they're talking about, oh, this must have happened because you... Sinned. It's just like we read in the first part of this chapter. Job, you must have sinned. One of the guys says, well, maybe not you, but your kids. Oh, listen. Don't be talking about things like that. And they were so sure. But you, the reader, have read what this is all about in the beginning, so you know these guys are clueless. They're speculating on all the, the negative, And they're, it makes them look really stupid because, well... So we do that today sometimes. We, we fall into that trap of speculating in the wrong direction. Always put your faith in God. There's got to be a reason. Oh, Preston, you had a hand. can't give your children um it, it's like the adage you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink and you can you can show them but you can't 
You, you can't force them, but it's, it's beyond that. It's more than that. I, I, <clears throat> when, I, when I'm driving down the road and I get a whiff of skunk, most people go, oh, nasty old skunk. For me, that triggers a memory of fishing with my dad. It triggers memories from days gone by that start flowing back, and they're wonderful. Now, I can, I can take my kids to find a dead skunk, but I can't give them what, for me, comes from that. You have to have your own memories. You have to have your own relationship with God, but your children will never have a relationship with God. If you don't start with this, you have to start with, with the rote learning about who God is and his nature and what he has done and what he continues to do. The history that he's provided for us that shows us how patient he was with his people when he would have wiped them out long ago if not for his compassion and his understanding and his long suffering. And I see that now. Well, that's the way he is with me because I'm just like those people were and worse in some ways. So you have to show them these things, and if you show them these things, then they've got the tools to build their own faith, because that, that's what you have to do. Everybody has to build their own faith. But you, you ever try to build something, and you don't have the right tools? I know you guys, you go, you go out in your garage, or you shop, and you go, man, I'd like to do this, but I don't have one of those. If I had one of those, for years I wanted to buy uh, a chop saw. If, if you don't know what a chop saw is, it's just a, it's got a, a saw on a hinge and you put a board under it and it'll line it up perfectly and zip. You can make the same exact cut every time. And I've wanted one of those, but I, thought, I don't have room for one of those. I'll just use my miter box. How many of you guys know what a miter box is? You can't get a perfect cut with a miter box, but I'm a cheapskate. So I used a miter box. My son-in-law had a chop saw. Somebody gave him a better chop saw. He gave me his old chop saw. And I'm thinking I was an idiot. Not to buy a chop saw long time ago. And that's not even a radial alarm saw. I don't want to go into a radial alarm saw. But, but you've got these potentials to make and build with the word of God. And you've got to get your kids here. You've got to get them exposed to it. You've got to talk to them about it. That's why Deuteronomy says, when you rise up and when you lay down, talk to your children all the time. When you're walking by the way, when you're sitting in your house, talk to your children all the time about the law of God. That's Mike.
by hearing the Word of God, by being, you know, uh, in, in, in uploading uh, the information. So, uh, uh, anyways, just if we keep those two ideas in mind, we won't feel bad about not being able to give our kids, you know, that they're enthusiastic about something. We can't give them that. Right. You know, if they don't like uh, baseball, there's nothing we can do, you know. And sometimes it's it's not even the the rote teaching of what the Bible says. It's the principles behind that. Like, uh, why don't we have musical instruments in our worship assembly? Well, because we're all Church of Christ, stick in the muds. That's why, right? No. It's because we believe that we are not fit to guide ourselves, and so we... This is the only thing we have to guide us. And you don't go in this New Testament and find musical instruments in a worship assembly. That's all it is. Okay, I, I want to worship God. How does God say I need to? Well, let me think. That's a good way. No. No. Don't look off in the sky and think about it. Look in the book. And if the book leads you to that, do that. This is worship for who? For him. Do you think he knows what he wants? Listen, when my mom said, Marty, what do you want for your, for your birthday supper? I knew. Lasagna. Make me lasagna. Okay. Do you, do you, want, a, you want a cake? Mom, you know, I want a Boston cream pie. And what do you think my mom made? She didn't offer me a bunch of new stuff. Oh, you've never tried this before? Shut up. Well, I wouldn't tell my mom shut up. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> when you are when you're informed by the authority of what you need, you go down to the DMV and you say, what do I need to get my driver's license this way or that way? And they say, here, here are the three forms. What do you bring them? The three forms. Do you go, oh, hey, this is a good form. They'll like this one too. Oh, here's another document I've got. They don't even know I've got this. I'll take that too. They'll love that. No, you don't do that. You take them what they ask for. We're talking about God. I think God knows what he wants. If I like guitars, and who doesn't, play your guitar at home. Get together and play your guitar. And why does he show us that? He shows us that so we'll know to get through the worksheet before the end of class, which we haven't done. <laughs> well, we got a couple of minutes. Let's. Oh, I wanted to talk about the Feast of Dedication. What is the Feast of Dedication? Well, that's Hanukkah. What? Oh, that was the second bell. No way. You got to start ringing it on this side. This is my good ear over here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh well. Just look up the dedication, Feast of Dedication. It talks about Hanukkah, Maccabees, and Antiochus Epiphanes. And think about this. At the Feast of Dedication, we know Hanukkah is the Feast of Lights. Jesus is the light of the world. And they don't see the light. And that's when he was there at that point. All right. Lord, love you. Thanks for being here.